for our scripture reading today will be in Mark chapter 7, verses 14 through 23. If you're following along in the Bibles provided for the worship center, it's on page 843. And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him, for from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everyone. Great to be with you today. Um, my uh, job when I was uh, in college uh, was cleaning a bakery. And uh, they didn't let me anywhere near actually cooking anything, but they, uh, they, they did send me in the back to clean. And uh, so I had to clean the toilets and uh, the whole bathroom area, and then I had to clean all the pots and the pans and the big vats for all the dough. And you'll be happy to know that before I cleaned all the vats and the pots for the dough, after I had cleaned the bathroom, I stopped and washed as well. My hands had to be cleaned. I could not move from one to the other without being cleansed myself. Uh, we are, of course, deeply aware of the need for washing, for cleansing. We don't want to cross-contaminate. and We don't want to carry really despicable germs from one place to the next, especially with regard to something that people will be eating. Um, probably uh, one of the most comforting signs that can be found in any restaurant anywhere is in the restroom where it says employees must wash their hands before returning to work. What's going on in this passage about cleansing and defilement, however, has nothing to do with germs. The ancient Near Eastern world was not a community of people that were uh, in any way aware of the power of disease transmitted by germs. What's going on here is the issue of religious defilement. What separates people from God and separates them from each other. That's what's at root here. It's not the issue of germs, and it's really the issue of how a person relates to the holiness of God. Jesus here in Mark chapter 7 tells them it's not what's on the outside that's the problem. It's what's going on on the inside. He says, there is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. It's the things that come out of the person that defile him. Now, very interestingly, when he said these words, it says, then the people came to him and said, would you explain this parable to us? And Jesus then says, don't you get it? This wasn't a parable. 
I'm just telling you the way it is. I'm not illustrating something. I'm not trying to be clever. I'm telling you it's not what goes in that's the problem. It's what comes out. The problem is down inside of you. That was a stunner. Because people believed it was what was on the outside that was the problem. Now, the whole basis of this has to do with what's just gone on, where Jesus gets into a tussle with the Pharisees. I'm going to read it to you. This is the first part of Mark chapter 7. When the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, this is Mark 7, verse 1, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. Now, again, nothing to do with germs. That's not the way it is. And, and by the way, you can try to keep yourself all free from germs. We know that the most dangerous, lethal agent for germs in the world is a small human child. We all know that, all right? I used to think, I used to think I was never sick because I had great faith. It was because I had no children. Those, those rascals, they'll give you giant stuff. Okay. So he says, he says, uh, you're, you, you guys are not washed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they don't eat unless they wash. There are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And again, notice this is about a religious tradition. It's not about, it's not about disease, germs, that kind of thing. It's about defilement, which is a religious term. The Pharisees and the scribes said, why do your disciples don't, why, why is it that your disciples don't walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you, you hypocrites? This people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And then he gives them an illustration of what they were doing. You have a fine way of rejecting the commandments of God in order to establish your tradition. Moses said, honor your father and mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father and his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is given to God, then you are no longer permitting him to do anything for his father and mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And you do many such things. And then he goes and tells the people, it's not what's on the outside, it's what's on the inside. And they said, this is all a parable, right? And he says, no, this is reality. This is the way it is. Now, what had happened was this. This society was keenly aware of the holiness of God. That God was a holy God. Far more aware, frankly, were they of God's holiness than often we are today. They did not want to violate the holiness of God. And so what they did is they not only had the laws of God, but they added to the laws of God extra traditions so that they wouldn't even get close to violating the law of God. The irony, of course, is that by keeping those extra traditions, they were violating the law of God, which Jesus points out to them. They had created all these extra boundaries to try to keep perfectly 
what God had done, what Jesus, what God commanded of them. Jesus called this the tradition of the elders. And he said, in trying to maintain your traditions, thinking that if you do all this outside stuff, you're going to be okay, is misleading you. The Mishnah, which really in its fullest form comes along about 200 years after Jesus, has over 180 pages just about cleanliness. That's just that section. So there were tons of these traditions that had to be kept in order to not do violence to the holiness of God. But this represents confusion about holiness. About the idea that traditions we create, boundaries that we establish, can help. Actually, what happens is, when we add to the Word of God, we obscure the Word of God. We, in a certain way, blunt its sharpness. We hide it by keeping to our traditions so that the clarity of the commandment is not seen. This is what happens for these folks in this passage. The scriptures say, honor your father and your mother. All right, that's the clear commandment of God. They said, I don't like my dad and my mom, so the money I would have given to my dad and mom, I'm going to give it to the building fund. Okay. Now, I know none of you have done that. I'm going to give it over here. I'm going to give it to God. I'm going to give it to God and not to my father and my mother because that'll be, that'll be, I'll be keeping the rules, but I don't have to real, because I don't like them. And Jesus said, by keeping your tradition, you've set aside the actual law. You think you're moving towards holiness. You're moving away from it. They also misunderstood. They were confused about the nature of pollution. They thought again the problems were on the outside having to do with the food that they ate or the people that they touched, the elements that they came into contact with. These things are making me unclean. If I touch a dead corpse, if I happen to touch a leprous person, now I am ceremonially unclean. If I eat the wrong food, if I I have the shrimp and the lobster, if I have the pork barbecue instead of the lamb barbecue, now I'm unclean. In the middle of this passage, it says, thus Jesus declared all foods clean. It's one of the most radical statements in the whole New Testament. Jesus says, it's not what's on the outside that's a problem, it's what's going on on the inside that's the problem. And here's the here's the incredible thing. Religious traditions will help you mask What's going on on the inside? I go to church every Sunday. I read my Bible. I act a particular way in my culture that people count as religious. I keep their traditions so that everybody looking at me as I appear would say, that gal, that guy, they're holy. And Jesus says, down in the depths of who you are. You are anything but holy. You can't clean this up. One of my favorite authors is uh, the Russian novelist Fyodor Dostoevsky. Dostoevsky in Crime and Punishment introduces us to Rodion Romanovich Roskolnikov. And Roskolnikov commits a murder. He, He murders an old woman 
who's a pawnbroker. She's worthless to society as far as he's concerned. It's a nothing little event over here. And the whole story unfolds about whether or not a person can do something like that and not get away with it, not getting away with murder, but what happens to their conscience. And what happens through the story is a spiraling downward, a continuing deterioration in the conscience, a cry down inside of him to say, I've got to do something to, I've got to do something to deal with the the thing that I've done. And he says, what do you think, to another person, would not one tiny crime be wiped out by a thousand good deeds? Isn't it interesting? He, he compares, he says, he says the murder of this person was one tiny crime. But here's the, here's another problem. It's not just underestimating what he's done, minimizing what he's done, which is what we always do. We maximize the sins of others and minimize our own. He says, maybe if I do a thousand good things, it will outweigh this tiny little thing I've done. That is the essence, my friends, of religion. Religion says, if you will just do enough, it will outweigh in the scales these things that you've done. And Jesus comes on the scene and he says, you're not dealing with the core issue. It's what's down in your heart. Where did the murder come from? See, the murder's out here. But where did it come from? Where's its origin? Its origin, Jesus says, is in the heart. Verse 21, for from within, out of the heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All of these evil come from within and they defile a person. In other words, no amount of religious activity can cleanse a person from what comes from within. Now, some of these are inclinations that have to do with our attitudes. Envy. And slander. These are things which have to do with how we view others in terms of our attitude. But then that attitude overflows into actions. You say, well, murder. I mean, you know, come on. I mean, I, I'm tempted to knock over the local 7-Eleven from time to time, but I would never kill anybody. But Jesus said, Jesus, you see, who always goes for the heart, he says, if you are angry with a person, you're committing murder in your heart. In other words, we commit heart homicide all the time. You know, when we moved here, Tony said to me, you can no longer sin publicly. <laughs> That's right. Only privately, she said. That's right. Now, what did she mean by that? Well, you see, when you live in a big city, it's sort of a degree of anonymity. And the, the chances of, you know, if somebody cuts you off in the parking lot, and you rah, 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 speak in tongues at them. Um, 
uh, they won't know who you are. If you do that here, if I did that here in, in, in the parking lot, uh, they'd probably walk into church on the following Sunday, you know. So I had to be careful. The truth of the matter is we have these things down in us, and you can think that they're not down in you until somebody cuts in front of you, and then it all comes out. And you go, man, I did not know that that defilement was down in me. And you could be sitting here this morning thinking, you know, okay, okay, but really, I'm okay. I mean, over against other people. I'm okay. I mean, I'm here. Pastor, I'm here. Get off my case. I'm one of the guys that showed up. And I know some of the other people in this room. I know some of the people sitting over there. They're bad. Preach that direction. Over here, the righteous to the right, the goats to the left. I mean, yeah, but turn it around and, okay. You think you're okay. My sins are just small. They're little, they're not big. Okay, okay. But, but how many cockroaches does it take to ruin a good salad? doesn't even take a whole cockroach. I mean, look, a, li- a little leg, a little leg will just, that's it. I'm sending that one back. I'm sending that one back, okay? But what if you did have open heart surgery and they cracked open your sternum and they did the five bypasses? Would you be okay with the surgeon coming to put his hands down into your chest cavity after he had just finished an autopsy? Or would you prefer that he washed first? They knew they needed cleansing. They knew they needed heart surgery. But where does it come from? Oh, they had a religious system. You see, we go, well, well, they, they had the priest. But you see, even the priest, even the priest had to be cleansed. There's a very powerful picture of this in the Old Testament, in Zechariah chapter 3, where Zechariah has a dream, this prophet, he has a dream. And in the dream, he sees the priest, whose name was Joshua, Joshua the high priest, and he's standing before the Lord. Now, you have to know something about the priest. The priest who would present the sacrifice that dealt with the defilement, the real sins of the people. He did that once a year on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. For the week leading up to that day, the priest was locked away in the temple so that he couldn't come into contact with anything that was unclean. And then on the night before the Day of Atonement, he wasn't allowed to sleep so he wouldn't have any evil dreams. And he would stay up all night praying and reading the Scriptures. And then after that week of isolation and that all night of praying and reading the scriptures, he would come out, not dressed in his regular priestly robes, but in perfectly spotless linen. So any kind of, any kind of defilement could be spotted. And he would make a sacrifice for himself. And then he would go back in and take off that robe and put on another fresh robe and come out. And then he would make a sacrifice for all the other priests. And then he would go back inside and get all cleaned off and put on another robe. And then he would come out in another robe and he would then be able, then be able to make a sacrifice for the people. In other words, that guy 
is the holiest guy on the planet. And when Zechariah has his dream of the high priest, he sees the high priest. He says, I saw Joshua, the high priest, the holiest guy on the planet, standing before God. And he was covered in filth. And the word filth is the word that was used for excrement. He looked like Andy Dufresne at the other end of the pipe before the rain washed him off. He was covered in you-know-what. Mire. The holiest man on the planet, standing before God, looked like that. And Zacharias says he began to cry. Because if the, if the holiest guy on the planet isn't really holy... What hope do any of us have? It says, then God reached out to him in the dream. And he said, strip off those filthy garments and put a new robe on him and put a crown on his head. God had to cleanse him. You can't cleanse yourself. No amount of religious activity, even by the high priest of Israel, could ever cleanse him. Listen, friends, the Old Testament sacrifices never took away a single sin. They kicked the can down the road until another Joshua would come. Yeshua, Joshua, Jesus, who is the perfect high priest. And when he goes to the cross... He goes there bearing our excrement, our defilement, everything down in us that keeps erupting from us. He takes that on Himself. We can't clean ourselves up. If you're sitting here this morning thinking, I'm at church, I'm going to get my act together, I'm going to clean myself up, I'm going to make my life better, I'm going to do better, I promise I'll do better. Stop it! The only thing standing between you and God is the delusion that you can clean yourself up. You can't. But He can. He does not ask you to clean yourself to come and stand before Him. He bows before you in your filth. God bows to you and says, I will wash your feet. And Jesus, the great servant priest, comes and He cleanses us. Cleanses us with His blood. Gives us His life. Oh, friend, stop coming to God with your resume of your righteousness. Just admit that what's down inside is something only God can handle. And When you do that, you'll be able to sing these words. Not the labors of my hands can fulfill thy law's demands. Could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears forever flow? All for sin could not atone. Thou must save, and thou alone. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. 
Naked come to thee for dress. Helpless come to thee for grace. Foul, I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior. Or I die. Rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy riven side which flow be of sin the double cure. Cleanse from guilt and make me pure. Where does it come from? It's out of the heart that sin comes. It's to the heart that the blood of Christ reaches. My friend, this morning, you can have religion or you can have Jesus, but you can't have both. And if you don't have him, you have nothing at all. Because whatever things you think you've gained, in the end you will lose them all. But if you have him, there's nothing you've lost that is not in his hands. Have you received the Savior, His cleansing? Do you have Him? Young or old, if you don't have Him, you need Him. Let's bow our heads. If you need to receive Christ this morning and what He has done, no longer trusting in what you have done, but trusting in what He has done, pray this with me silently in your heart, which is where the work has to happen. Lord Jesus, Have mercy on me and cleanse me in my heart. I give up all of my efforts and I receive your cleansing. In Jesus' name, amen.